Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a teaching with TBA rabbinic resident Jackie Honig. Something really interesting happens in our calendar this year where Barry just read Parshat Achremot. Because it's the next reading in the Torah. We read Mitzvah today. We read Achremot after that. Um, except we won't read it for another uh, two weeks or three weeks. It's April 29th or 30th, whatever that Saturday is. Um, the 30th. Thank you, Joey. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't, I was thinking and I was like, I don't think I'm going to teach on the parts that we're going to read in three weeks from now that just like didn't feel like the right vibe. So I was trying to figure out what do, what do we talk about? So um, as you might or might not be aware, Pesach is coming. Um, I won't tell you how many days. That's up to you to figure out. And um, I wanted to look at something and sort of figure out something fun. So I brought something fun. I should have said it when I passed it out, but this is always the tension. So I'm going to ask you to not turn the page until I tell you to turn the page, which I know is all it's going to make you want to do is turn the page. So I'm trusting you. So we're going to start with a verse that is not in this week's Parsha. It's Exodus chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Um, does someone want to read in a big, loud voice? Joey. Aaron held out his arm over the waters of Egypt. Frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. In addition, priests did their spells brought frogs on Egypt. Awesome. That was big enough, I believe. Does somebody want to read it in Hebrew? Yeah. We're going to read, because we're going to play with the Hebrew a little bit. Great. Yeah. So hearing those two verses in Hebrew and English, what questions do you have? As Rabbi Shatz and Rabbi Shapiro would say, what kushiot do you have? He's stealing their format a little. Don't tell them. Okay, so the Egyptian magicians were able to replicate what Aaron did. Okay, Tom. Oh, one raise the hand? Okay. Yeah. All right, Mar- Marlise, were you going to say something? Oh, there's yeah, there we go. There's the hand raise. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Gary was, or Marlise. A, that's a lot of frogs. That was a lot of frogs. That's a lot of frogs, and I don't know where the them came from. Okay, so that's a lot of frogs. We noticed that Sparadea is in the singular. Um, we noticed that the Egypt, the magicians were really powerful. Anything else? Okay. So I also sort of thought it was interesting that you'd see Tzfardea, and then I brought the second verse really because you see Hadzfardeim. So you see the singular and the plural. So if you've ever studied medieval commentators, um, you will know that Ibn Ezra often answers grammar questions. So I went to look at Ibn Ezra to see what he said. Does someone want to read this? And it could be just in English. The English is just as helpful here. Or we can listen to me talk more. And Aaron stretched out his hand. Behold, Aaron merely stretched forth his hand, but he did not strike the water as he did the first time. He merely indicated that the frogs could rise from the moment that he stretched out his hand. So what is the, what is Ibn Ezra talking about? So I went back to look, um, and it's talking about it's talking about the plague of blood, if I remember. And so if you look, you've got all the verses. I'm just going to read. 17, thus said Adonai, by this you shall know that I am Adonai. See, I shall strike the water in the Nile with the rod that is in my hand, and it will be turned into blood. 
So Ibn Ezra is only dealing with the question of this verb that in one place he strikes and in one place he holds out his hand. So that's kind of what he's got. But when we go to our friend Rashi, Rashi points out the same thing that Tom did and the same thing that ultimately struck me, no pun intended. Does someone um, want to read what Rashi has to say about this? English. English. Okay. The frog, literally frog, came up. Really, there was only one frog, but when they struck, the, they struck at it, it took many forms. This is the graphic explanation of the singular noun here. I There's a literal explanation when we say the form of frog is denoted by the singular form. Or there was the key name. Key name. Form of insect in old Life. Great. So Rashi does this thing that Rashi often does. He gives us he gives us two answers to the question. So one thing he says is there are there's a midrash. He's actually quoting it from two places: from Sanhedrin, from the Talmud, and from Exodus Rabbah, from Shmot Rabbah, from the midrash itself. Um, and then he but then he says, but you also have to take it literally, and you have to look at kinim. That kinim also would be would be singular. Um, kinam, I'm sorry, kinam, which would be plural, kinim would be plural, kinam, and you have to, and you have to just take it literally for what it is, um, and then in, in one of my favorite moves of Rashi, he gives us the French, which for us today is not so helpful, but I'm sure it was helpful for his students. So, what do you think of these answers? Thank you. Uh, I like one like a fever dream or like a nightmare? <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, interesting. Louder. <laughs> I could tell you to use your big boy voice if you'd prefer. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I didn't think about that. I kind of like that. I think that's an interesting. Yeah. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, yes, we are saying that God had a hand in bringing the frogs out. I'm going to go with the traditional, traditional answer on that. I still can't say the word traditional after all these years, but I'm going to go with the traditional and say, yes, God had a hand in the plagues. There's great documentaries, though, if you want to hear about how the plagues could have happened naturally, um, but we're going to focus on the on this. So any other thoughts on kind of where Rashi goes with this? It's so popular. Okay, so I went ahead and found these sources because I am so interested in this like single single frog, many frogs thing. So I went and found starting with Shmot Rabbah. Um, I will say that I only brought half the Midrash because then the Midrash is what's quoted in the Gemara and I didn't want to spoil it. So we have here from Shmot Rabbah. Does someone want to read? Aaron stretched out his hand. Why did God bring frogs upon the Egyptians? Because they would oppress Israel and say, bring us abominable creatures. Therefore God brought the frogs upon them. And at that time, they would prepare a cup and they would be filled with Gross. I'm going to go back to the, to the, you know, things of nightmares. Um, 
Like, I don't know which one's worse. So the, so similar, similar to Ibn Ezra, it, it's answering a different question here. The, the Midrash is sort of going in a little bit of a different direction and it's saying, it's asking the question, why frogs? Right, it's not saying, was it one frog, was it many frogs? It's just saying, new frogs, why? Does anyone have thoughts on this one? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah so right yeah it's interesting i think i think there's a clear escalation when you look at at all 10 together like there's a clear escalation from like water turning to blood and like the killing of the first board and i think it would be so interesting maybe that'll be next next time i teach this that's what i want to do is ask everyone to order the plagues of what are the most terrifying like what is the what is the scale i think is such an interesting question but yeah this is a clear escalation you've gone from like this thing that's happening never to like oh now there are frogs in your bed and on your head and on your toes and all those places nightmare fuel at its finest so yeah yeah it's interesting yeah I have lots of feelings about bugs in my life, but that's a different story for a different day. So I also brought from the Gemara um, a bunch of options. So we'll start just with the first one, with what's labeled as 67. So it's found on page 67B of Sanhedrin, and this 20 is sort of the way Safari divides it up for understanding purposes. Um, does someone else want to read? <laughs> How does that fit into your nightmare? <laughs> right. So, what are you picturing when you see this? What's the what's the mental image of this this explanation of it? Do you do you imagine like a giant frog, or like yeah. it starts one frog and then it's just giant. like a bit, I'm thinking of um, what's the old Atari game? Frogger. Not Frogger. No, the the alien one. Um, oh, it's gonna come to me. It's the one where there's all these, where you're basically trying to shoot the aliens as they come and they keep getting closer and closer in more waves. Yes. Picturing that, right? So you've got this one frog comes out of the river and then all of a sudden it just starts multiplying. So the next piece of the Gemara is probably my favorite for a few reasons. Um, I want to point out before you read it that this just was Rabbi Alazar. And now in this next piece, we're going to see Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah. They are two different characters in the Talmud. Um, this Rabbi Elazar we just read is a student of Rabbi Kiva's. And then Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah is, is a contemporary of Rabbi Kiva. So we've got a, like a generational thing going on here. Um, because the first multiple times I read this, I got really confused. So just to preface it with that. Um, Rabbi Ertin, do you want to read this one? Yes. So I, please, please don't summon frogs right now. No frogs. I wonder if it works for rabbis too. You whistle and more, just come out of the woodwork. Um, I really love this piece of text on so many levels. Um, I think it's really fun. We get to sort of an insight into Gemara and what might it have looked like as these two men were standing there, where one was like, I have this crazy thing that happened. And the other one is like, are you kidding me? Like, stay in your lane, right? Um, and then it was recorded and written down for all time. Like, that's really my favorite, is not only did someone say stay in your lane, but it got saved with everything else, too. 
Um, so here we see, um, well, actually, I'll ask you, what do you, what do you find in this, in this text other than the SAS that I enjoy Yeah, Sherry. Did you have your hand up? Oh, sorry. I saw it. Not trying to call you out. <laughs> so the other thing for me that's, you look like you're thinking very hard. No, okay. The other thing for me that struck me was this word whistled, because <laughs> I, I can't imagine a frog whistling. So I went to look it up in Josh, and I was very curious. So something, yeah. So something that I love when I learn other languages, and I don't know them all in Hebrew yet, is that in different languages, animals make different noises. When you ask someone in their native tongue, what sound does like a cat make? Like we would all say meow. So in Hebrew, I know, for example, someone could correct me wrong, but we would say in English, a rooster says cock-a-doodle-doo. And in Hebrew, people say kukuriku. Yeah. So it's usually, I think it's, I think it's kukuriku. So that's the thing. In different languages, all animals say different things. It's however that, that place interprets it. So I went to look at this word whistled, and I went to look it up in gesture, and I didn't put this on the source sheet. I just have it. So it's, it's sarak is the verb, which you have in the, sorry, I lost my second sheet. The verb is sarak, that I am confident. And it's, and it's an onomatopoeia, and it's how they heard frogs. And the definitions that Jastro gives as an option are to hiss, to whistle, or to quack. Um, and it's really cool because if you look in Jastro, often when you're studying Gamara, it has a, um, it sometimes will give you a bonus, and it particularly uses Jastro quotes this piece, that this is where they derive this meaning from. Um, that it it quacked in, in Joshua writes was one frog and it quacked for them the other frogs and they came so clearly there's lots of opinions about what sound this frog made um but it's clearly saying it started as one frog and then all these other frogs all these other frogs came after it any other thoughts on this one yeah yeah so there's this sort of like master frog who's like come on down everybody it's time um and it also makes me think about like where did these other frogs come from did they keep coming um was that the miracle that there were just all these frogs all of a sudden in egypt um yeah 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 they call their little buddies up on their cell phones hey come on down so just in case this wasn't like weird enough, I've got one more that really, I just, I, so this one didn't have a Safaria translation. So I translated it and then I sent it to a friend of mine who's a rabbi. I said, I will say, I sent it to Rabbi Ben Richards and I said, can you make sure I translated this right? Cause this seems strange. And uh, lo and behold, I was right and it is just strange. Um, but also, if you want to argue with me about the Hebrew, feel free to do so. Um, does someone want to read this last bit from Midrash Agadah? One more, Joey? Yeah. It was a single frog, and when they hit it, hundreds of streams of frogs. Another thing, the frog coats in our science fell as anchors to the summit of the Egyptians. They ground the medicine into a full of frogs. And when Osir Arbane prayed to God to strip themselves off from the dry land. Great. So here in Midrash, um, so we've got, it's a single frog, and when they hit it, it splintered into streams of frogs. So now I'm imagining just like shooting frogs places. God, I did not think about how strong this is like nightmare fuel. Right. This is apparently should have been like not for your, there should have been a disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. 
some strong imagery of frogs. And then when the when the midrash uses the ode, like and another thing, it's it's saying, okay, it could be that or it could be this. Um, and this is this is where I really this is the part that I had to say, did I really translate this right? It croaked, and other frogs answered from the stomachs of the Egyptians. Tapeworm, interesting. Okay, and then, and then it's and when they ground the medicine, it was full of frogs. So that seems to kind of fall into the general idea, like there were frogs in lots and lots of places. Um, and then here's one more that I think also can give a really striking image. So now it's involving. It's very interesting. And it's Moshe instead of Aaron, and Moshe prays to God, and they shook themselves off from the dry land. So this I pictured like if if you've ever had a dog or you've seen a dog when they like get wet and they like shake themselves off. I just imagine the frogs like rising out of the ground, shaking themselves off, like shaking off all the dirt and then there's a frog there. So yeah, so I, what do you think? So now looking at all of these, do any of these strike you? Do you have any particular favorites? Do you think they're all really strange? Like, what do you think? So we've got some experience. Plagues are bad. I'm gonna. I'll make that. I'll, I'll make that conclusion. Plagues are bad, and they spread quickly. Okay. And so frogs. Frogs also seem to have spread quickly. What else? Yeah, I think that's so interesting. Something that I've been thinking about a lot over the last year. It's funny. I wasn't actually. Interestingly enough, even though we keep talking about plagues and we call COVID a plague, I haven't like. I haven't thought about COVID in connection to this. But the thing that has struck me so much for the past two years is how before this we all used the phrase everybody avoids it like the plague and then we like discovered how people felt about COVID sometimes and and is it enough and I think that's such an interesting I think that's such an interesting question that these frogs clearly weren't enough and I think the question always is like what's the line and when is it enough I think both both in Torah and it comes into questions um that like kids ask of like why did God do this or we ask as adults and when is it enough? And I think that's such an interesting question, both that the frogs were clearly not enough, but also like, where's the line and what is enough? You have something, Marlies, or we just get to see you? Okay. Anyone else? Any thoughts? Does anyone have any favorite? Does anyone like any of these more than others or find them more or less nightmare-ish? Questions I never thought I would ask teaching about places. Yeah. Look, a little horror film, yeah. Joey. One frog multiplied two and so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> right, that, that's the Disney movie version, the, the frog. But what sound does it make? Does it whistle? Does it croak? Does it quack? Right. It's never boring. Yeah, yeah. So this is, yeah. So this is something, so I, I think these stories are also interesting and I love this. I am. I am a bit of a grammar nerd, and so I think it's super interesting that two sentences back to back that they use it in the singular and the plural. Um, but what I love is that our is our tradition plays with it in so many ways, and that our rabbis catch on to this thing. And it's a thing that I love about the text, and I hope I hope this this will in, in, engender it to you. This particular example, but our text to some extent seemingly sometimes has no limits. The rabbis are willing to look at a little thing like singular versus plural. And just play with it and see what comes to them like this I can't even imagine what this day must have looked like as they were sitting around talking about where what is happening with these frogs. Um, there are limits, but our text our tradition is so willing to play with things. Um, I think that for me is the lesson I hope people take is I hope you think about I hope you think about frogs, but not in your nightmares. Right, I said. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting, yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I think something for me that I, that I hope, well, first of all, I hope you bring this to your Seder, and I hope you ask lots of people questions about what they think the Plague of Frogs is. Um, but also, I think this ultimately, in some ways, is this is what we do on Pesach, is we sit and we tell the story and we do things that engender, engender questions. And I hope as you go through the Seder next week, twice, you look a little closely and you find things and you ask questions like, hmm, was it one giant frog or many, many frogs? Um, and I hope you maybe find answers or maybe don't and enjoy and hopefully uh, you don't have too many frog and dude singers. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think that is a question of, I mean, statement of fact, that is a question of theology. The, I think, and my opinion on this, I think it really depends on what your theology is, and that's how we get these two very different schools. It is clear to me, at least, in what I know, that Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Ishmael are both deeply religious, God-fearing, God-awing men, and they both have this deep belief in God, and they believe in God's hand, and you see these two schools, and so often there are people who believe believe in you find god in in the in the splitting of the sea and you find god in the frogs jumping out of the river and there are people who believe you find god in the way that the universe works and that god made made the rules of the universe and doesn't break there's a beautiful i think it's in the mishnah it's one of my favorite texts and i should know exactly where it is and i don't um but it's about that god was so so determined to have the rules of creation that in the moments right before creation, God created 10 things. Um, and one of them, for example, was, um, was the mouth of, uh, was the donkey that Bilam rode, the talking donkey, because talking donkeys don't exist. And it was so magical that God had to create it because the universe was about to have rules. Um, and so it's really a theological question. I think it's something for you to explore of how do you feel about that, of where do you, where do you find God? Do you find God in the, in the miracle of the fact that it, it works every single day or or in the miracle of big and magical you have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from temple beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative judaism in los angeles if you enjoy these podcasts we invite you to write a review on the apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts for more information about temple beth Am, los angeles go to tbala.org.